Hi, I'm Joanne Murphy, and welcome to Try Talking Sport, the podium podcast for athletes, adventurers, and endurance enthusiasts. Welcome to episode three of Try Talking Sport. Today I'm joined on the show by Leo Hines, triathlete, world champion, and Paralympic hopeful. Leo from Tumen County Galway is a proud member of Tri Lakes Tri Club. He was a keen triathlete from the years 2009 to 2012, despite being diagnosed with macular degeneration in 2009. Although treatable for a number of years, the treatment stopped working in 2015, leaving him with just 10% vision in his right eye. He is now considered legally blind. After a few years of coming to term with this life-changing condition, Leo has once again taken up the sport of triathlon as a para-triathlete. Supported by his wife Ashling, his three children, Lauren, Fia and Avine, and his fellow clubmates from Tri Lakes. His journey from serious illness to world champion is one of resilience, inspiration, determination and commitment. Leo, welcome to the show. Glad you could join us and well done on your result last weekend at Westport Triathlon. Just a year on from your very first race as a visually impaired athlete with a massive improvement on your overall results. You must have been delighted crossing the finish line. Yeah, I was very, very delighted. I was very excited. All right. Um, last year in Westport, I think it uh, was my first uh race as a para-athlete, visually impaired para-athlete. Um, I did it with Stephen Corrigan, who's a chairman of a Tri Lakes Club. And I think last year we finished in 107th position. Um, and I was delighted with that as well too. It was my first actually race as a para-athlete. Um, but this year I was, uh, Mary Corliss was my guide and we actually finished in 10th place this year. And so she's a demon of an athlete. She well. is, yeah, yeah. She dragged me around the swim and around the course and on the bike as, on the bike course as well too. Yeah, she's uh, she was very relaxed during the race. I was I was I was suffering a bit, all right, yeah. <laughs> um, Stephen, I'm going to come back um, and talk to you a little bit about your um, eye condition, which you were diagnosed with ten years ago, age-related macular degeneration. Did you ever think in the days and weeks after that that you would be a world champion? Um, d- definitely not. Um, um, I've come so much in the last maybe couple of years um, at the, when I was first diagnosed with um, AMD I think it was in 2009 um, age related macular generation it's basically where the, the blood vessels leak in the back of your eye and cause your central vision to become blurred um, I first noticed it when I was doing um, a Sudoku puzzle basically where there's a grid uh, we put uh, it's a puzzle where you put the numbers 1 to 9 into it and it's a grid you get in the newspapers and things like that but um, it's made up of vertical and horizontal lines so, but when I was looking at that um, the lines weren't straight they were curved and as I moved my eyes up and down left to right the curve would move as well too so I knew there was something not right here um, so I just told Ashley my wife as well too and she said oh we better make an appointment to see your optician Leah Wall so I made an appointment to see uh, Leah Wall in Galway here um, and he did a few tests and I told him what, what what was happening he did a few tests and a few scans and things and uh, he said there's something here Leah I'm not happy with so uh, he went out to the office for two minutes and he came in back he came back in to me and he said Leo he said I don't want you to panic now he said but I've made an appointment with you to see um, Frank Kinsler in the Galway clinic and he wants to see you first thing in the morning. So we thought, oh, what's going on here? You know, this is a bit of a fright. Bit of a fright, yeah, mm. absolutely, yeah. So um, next morning, myself and Ashling went up to um, the Galway Clinic here, and uh, Frank did um, all the more tests and more scans and things. And he said, yeah, Leo, he said, you've, um, 
you have uh, macular degeneration. And as I said, it's, it's basically where there's weak blood vessels in the back of your eye and they leak into your macula and they distort your vision. And he said, if this happened three years ago, he said, you'd lose, totally lose your vision. So we were going, oh my God. Yeah. But he said, lucky enough, he said, there is a treatment for it now. So the treatment involves getting injections into your eyeball. Oh. Yeah, yeah. When I, when I say that, people do the same reaction. They shrug their shoulders and they kind of wince a bit. And uh, yeah, but you get used to it like anything else, you know. Um, so you get the... You say that so blasé, like as if it's just a normal thing. Well, it, it did. It did become normalised to me, you know, because um, I was getting them so regular and I, I'd when my vision would get blurred again I'd just ring up and they'd see me straight away and I'd just go up and they'd give me the injection there and then and uh, it just became second nature to me to get it um, so at the start I, uh, um, first the first injection I would get, I was getting them on a monthly basis for the first three months and there was no sports no contact sports nothing everything was put on hold for, th- for those few months um, and my eyesight improved within a f- literally within a few days the vision came back again I thought this is great you know and that continued on then I might my vision could be fine for a few months and then maybe six months later I might uh, notice my vision going blurred again and again I'd ring up and they'd see me against as an emergency case they'd see me straight away the next the next morning and again injection again and a few days to clear up again and I'd be fine back in action again. So And you were playing football and soccer and t- all like regular Oh yeah, regular I was lives, I was healthy, yeah, fit, yeah, happy. Yeah, happy happy fit, doing playing sports, playing everything, played with the Goy Masters over forties, got one two All Irelands with them. Um and everything was fine, no work wasn't affected, family life was fine, everything's okay. I didn't even tell a lot of my f- family that I had this you know because it was just go up get the injection and you're fine back in action again so I didn't even tell my family about it a lot of them um, so that continued on for years um, until to 2015 uh, when uh, again in late 2015 again same again noticed the blurred vision again and um Again, made the phone call again and said, come up again. So the the same routine again, got the first injection again. And a few days went by and there was no improvement. So I thought, this is a bit strange. So again, rang rang up again and we tried another injection. And then that didn't improve Anthem. So I thought, this is kind of strange. So we tried different brands of injections. And this was going on maybe for three months between everything. Tried steroids and everything. And... Went to see through work then because I was sick from work. Um, I needed to see a different consultant as well too, and they did more scans and they confirmed everything and stuff like that. And they basically said, you know, um, you need to prepare yourself for the future. And Holy moly! Yeah, that was a uh, like myself and Ashley just looked at one another and we said. You know, what's going on here that's kind of a bit of a shock you know we're so used to everything being right after the injections everything we're fine that um, they said no that this is degenerated and it's not going to get any better so you have uh, about 10% vision now in your right eye isn't it yeah. the right eye that's affected yeah yeah and how did you deal with that diagnosis at the time at the time um, shock was number one um, we didn't know what to do what was going to happen our lives were turned upside down, you know, between work, work related and family related, and doing things. It was a complete shock. So, basically, um, after that, we were put in contact with the NCBI Ireland 
the National Council for the Blind and uh, went, met up with them and through them we were uh, again more tests and things and I was uh, registered legally blind then and through them they were very good they um, gave me different aids and different um, magnifiers and things like that that would help with my vision you know I have 10% but if I can magnify things I can see them you know but, but looking at things long term is just hard because everything vibrates and moves and just messes with your head a bit um, but from that we went to um, this there was a counselling and um, they set up courses as well to to meet other people with uh, similar visually impairments as well too so that was great to meet with them um, it was a dark time in my life you know um, it was hard to accept because I did have to give up work then as well to work were actually mm-hmm. fantastic to try to do everything they could do you were an engineer but I was yeah electronic right? engineer with mm-hmm. a company here in Galway and they were absolutely fantastic and they tried everything they could to try and work around to make sure I could do something but at the end of the day I just couldn't between travelling I couldn't drive obviously as well too no driving um, getting around is a bit more difficult as well too and obviously seeing things but <laughs> is, it, it must affect like everything like literally you know if you put your hands in front of your face can, can you see them or it's it's funny I can if I put them in front of my face I can see the outside but I can't see the centre of it it's it's the centre of it is is missing that's uh, your macula is where you have all your detail it's where you, you see things clearly and when you're reading it, you see all the detail and that's all blurry okay but your brain does tries to do the best it can so it takes the surrounding things and tries to blend it in to look like to make up for the missing pieces and it's the colours are kind of there, but it's all mixed up and and blurry and vibrating and moving around. So it is hard, yeah. Now I can't see people's faces, um, but I'll recognise their size and their build and things like that and their kind of. So it's kind of the finer details yeah, the are, fine are really detail. difficult. Yeah, so absolutely. that must have affected daily life massively, from getting up in the morning to dressing yourself to eating to preparing food. <laughs> I mean, I'm only guessing, but I imagine it has a huge impact. Absolutely, yeah. The amount of times I've put on t-shirts inside out, put on my trousers back to front, and uh, <laughs> you know I should laugh. Yeah, I know, yeah, but that's that's part of it, you know. Um, as long as your tricycle goes on the right way around, yeah, you exactly, yeah, put yeah. your helmet on the right way around. <laughs> well, I've done that wrong as well. Too, <laughs> you wouldn't but, yeah. be the first person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been told that Leo, you have the helmet on the wrong way around. Oh, so, and I have one out of eyes on the front, okay. so I know it's back to front anyway. Well, that's a good little tip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so daily life was um, definitely t- uh, turned upside down, you know. Like you said, learned to do things for myself. And, and through NCBI, I learned to do things differently. Not to stop doing the things, but to just do it in a different way. Um, and Ashling has been fantastic as well too. Like she's basically took it up to me. Ashling, when this happened first, Ashling couldn't drive. So she, within a space <laughs> of a couple of months, she had to learn to drive and pass her driving test. And no pressure, actually. No pressure, yeah, yeah. But she came out, she came through it all right, yeah. Um, some say she can't drive yet, but she's... <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit harsh. I'm sure Ashley uh, won't be too impressed when she listens to uh, the she, show now. You might get the dinner cooked for the week. She's well used to hearing that anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, so she had to learn to drive and she, with three young kids, you know, with Fia, or we've uh, Avian, or started the oldest as well. We've Lauren, she's eight. Um, with Fia, he is five. And with Avian, she's four. So, you know, a, a busy household family, you know, bringing kids here, bringing them there, different sports, different activities do. So Ashley's taken on that mantle. Ashley's taken on that mantle. She's um, basically running the show, driving here, driving there, collecting. And as well with me as well too, she has to bring me different places mm. as well too, you know, because getting around, as I said, I don't drive. So 
that was that independence is a huge loss in your life. You know, you don't really miss it until it's gone. You know, you just take for granted. Like, I can't just drive up to the shop to get a litre of milk or like that or a loaf of bread, you know. And I, I was chatting to Ashling, um earlier and, um, you know, we were chatting about how it affected your life and how, you know, you did go to that dark place and it was quite tough, you know, to be out and about and not recognise people and be worried what people yeah. thought. And you've told yeah. us that you didn't tell your family. But what she did say, which was quite interesting, was that you were very busy at work and you barely you know, you did get to see the kids, but now you had time. So you had to make them, you were making the most of your time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because when I was working, I was leaving the house at half six and I wasn't back uh, until about seven or half seven even and the kids were just going to bed. So I wouldn't, I literally, I was working and I didn't see, didn't see the kids, you know, which is tough. But now it's funny that now that I'm not working and I have... You're a full-time athlete now though. Yeah, that's what someone said to me the other day and I said... Jeez, I am too, you know. It just it just didn't sound like me, you know. But um yeah, I've time now and I'm a full time athlete. I'm it's basically eat, sleep and train. Um but part of that as well too is I do when I finish my train I have gaps between training where I do see the kids and we go out and do things and it, it's that in that in that respect, um even though I can't see, I see the kids more now. Do yeah, you know that kind of way? Because work isn't there. But and so there's a silver lining to the really um yeah you have to you know when this happened as i said i went to a dark place and stuff and i was kind of i suppose depressed and everything and you know what am i going to do this is the way i'm going to be what's going to happen you know and i eventually kind of said you know kick myself in the backside you know and ashley helped as well too and said you know how this is this is this is the way it is this is it you have to make the best of it what are you going to do so you had been a, an active triathlete from 2009 to 2012 and then when the injection stopped working you stepped back. So what was the catalyst to get back into triathlon in 2017? Um, through NCBI they, um, we had kind of a group session where you met other people as, as said with visual impairments as well too and part of that was they asked well what did you do before your, you uh, you had problems with your vision? And I said, you know, I was into sport and I was swimming and running and cycling. And I said, well, why have you stopped doing that? And I said, it's isn't it obvious that's why I'm here, you know? I stopped it because I can't see. And said, no, you have to keep doing stuff you like doing. Just find a different way of doing it. So I was going, okay, how do we deal with this? So with, uh, talking to Ashling and, you know, I used to love swimming. And uh, we used to go down to the pool. So she said, right, what we'll do is we'll go down to the pool and we'll see what we can do. So there was acrobics on three days a week in there. So she said, right, we'll go in together and we'll do the acrobics. So we went in, did the, we went in and again, got familiarized with the pool. So I can knew, know, knew where everything was. And we joined the acrobics and there was myself and Ashling and maybe about 40 mature ladies in the pool. <laughs> in the pool. So um, I looked out of sorts, but they were, they were fantastic. They were brilliant. You know, they were there doing their acrobics, but they're there talking and chatting and everything and you know, made you feel really welcome. So f- after doing a few weeks of that, maybe a few months of that, I said, we do that acrobics class. And then afterwards I said, right, I'll try to go for a swimming go for a swim and in uh, in a lane on my own so I could go from one end of the pool up to the other and back again up and down so I started doing that just swimming maybe a couple of lengths and then from that I started swimming and I felt this was great you know you're out and about you're meeting people which is very important just to go out and meet people and socialise you know you, you have to stop 
being on your own get out meet people and talk and chat and people are fantastic you know they'll help you as much as they can and uh, Coral Leisure Centre absolutely fantastic they made me feel so welcome down there and helped me in every way they could um, so I started getting I guess I said started getting to the swimming like that and then later on Ashling saw an ad on Facebook I think for Galway Sports Partnership where they were having uh, an open day in Tume for people with disabilities with um, different uh, disabilities different sports to try out and she says you're going and I said oh I don't really want to do I have to and she said you're going <laughs> so I said okay as I always do when Ashling tells me to do um, so we made contact with them and we went to uh, I think it was in St. Gerald's it was held there and in there, there was different sports, so I tried different ones, and Ashley said, there's a bike over in the corner here. I said, right, what's that? So we went over, and it was Galway um, Visually Impaired Activity Group, and it was a tandem. And I was never on a tandem, never saw one before in my life, hadn't a clue what it was. So um, we got talking to them, and they said, well, do you want to give it a go? And I said, Okay, right, we give it a go. So we wheeled out the tandem out into the car park. Who went yourself, Nashling or no, a guy no, from no, no, no. It was um, I can't think of her name now. At the minute it's escaped me. Um, but it was one of the one of was, the crew from the, yeah, the activity group. Yeah, it was one one of the one of the pilots. Um, on the tandem, there's two people that cycle. Obviously, the one the person in front is the pilot, and the person in the back is called the stoker. Um, or, the, or if you're in the you can be a pilot or a captain or the stoker is the person in the back so basically the pilot is in front and they have all the controls they have the brakes the gears the steer and the stoker sits in the back that's basically me so I just sit there and pedal that's it um, so in the car park um, we went out and did about 5 or 10 minutes around just cycle around the car park and I fell in love with it straight away. The, just the freedom of it, being out. And the and independence, being, of course, the as independence, well, to a point. Yeah, and being active again, just, you know, having the wind in your face and stuff. And I said, oh, I really miss this. You know, because it's something I love doing. I said, I miss this, right? So I have to get into this again. So from there, um, got talking to the guy, um, Visually Impaired Activity Group. They're fantastic as well, too. And they have maybe maybe 10 tandems and it's volunteer bases that um, pilots come out and they bring people with uh, visual impairment bring them out on uh, on leisurely spins uh, it's usually maybe once every two weeks during the summer on a Sunday so they just go for a spin go for a tea go for a coffee tea a scone whatever and just so it might be maybe 15, 20k um, but the people I met there were fantastic as well too other people with visual impairments and they were just hilarious and they were really funny as well too so it was really enjoyable enjoyable. so from there again the kind of the, the pilots were saying geez Leo, you're kind of strong on the bike you know you're you're fairly good you know you can really feel this is like having a little motor on the back <laughs> you were well able to pedal I was yeah 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 but I again I was never on a tandem before in my life so I didn't know how, how well I was going or not so that kind of led on to um, getting into the cycling. And from there, then I started. Um, I heard a story that you you, you, you bought a bike. That's you what bought just, a tandem. Yeah, yeah. But that yourself and Ashling were out on the first tandem that you bought. It was on Christmas time. I think was it around the time of the uh, snow and the ice and stuff. And you yeah, yeah, um, get well, out. But you were cycling in circles around well, the housing estate. <laughs> That's right. And you were spotted right. by that's Tommy Carton. We were indeed. We were indeed. Tommy, the local postman there spotted us. Yeah, um, because I liked doing this, the tandem so much and I was only going out once every two weeks, I really enjoyed it. I said, I have to do more of this. So we made, 
bought the bullet and we said um, we need to get one ourselves. So I had to get one custom made because normally in a tandem it's the sm- it's the bigger rider in the front and the smaller rider is in the back. It's usually, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it's usually the husband in front and the wife in the back. But in our case, Ashing would have to be in the front and I would be in the back. So I'm about six foot and Ashing is just about five foot. So there's a bit of a height difference. So we had to get it specially made. So it just suit her in the front and me in the back. So after months of going back and over, we got a uh, sender measurements and stuff. We eventually got the bike. Now, it just came before Christmas, the week before Christmas. So it was an early Christmas. That was in 2017. But, and then that came on to 2018. And uh, we couldn't go out because of the frost and the ice and the weather. So we're kind of, I was there like biting my nails, ready to go out and give it a go. So eventually, I think it was in February time, we eventually got out. And so Ashley was a bit nervous because uh, I was she was never in a tandem before I was used to doing it with the go visually impaired I was kind of used to being on the back so we went out and did a few cycles around the estate just to get used to a guest handling because a tandem is like uh, it's like comparing driving a car to driving a bus you know they handle differently it's a huge bike it's heavier it takes longer to stop it takes longer to get going and it's, it's different steering as well too it's very hard to turn around corners so myself and Ashing did a few trials around the the estate and then one day we had a little bit of an accident uh oh uh oh is right um, we came to a sudden stop uh, at a junction just in the estate and um, I was clipped in in the back with my pedals with my cleats and we actually put a foot down but I fell over and uh, my weight and the weight of the tandem and actually we tried to hold us up but because we, I fell over it wrenched her elbow and uh, she pulled tendons here and she pulled a chip off a bone off her elbow ouch ouch is right yeah so she was out of action for a while yeah so she was out of action for a while um, so then we stopped doing it because I had no pilot I can't mm. do it on my own and then I met Tommy uh, Tommy Carton and uh, he's in our estate as well too and he saw us going around and he said you're going well on the bike I said yeah we were I said but we had a bit of an accident I said Ashley can't do it she said Sure, I'll give it a go. You know, Tommy said. Fair play to Tommy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, I'll give it a go. And I said, okay, right. I hope. So the next day, I, I spotted him again and I said, right, when are we doing this? So we arranged to go the next day. Um, again, Tommy was never on a tandem in his life. Just, just, but he's he's an athlete as well too. A very fit guy. Used to doing triathlons and football and everything. So we cycled. He said, we'll go for Spain. We'll go from Tume as far as um, Ballandine. So... It was about 10 miles or 10 kilometres down 10 kilometres back and we both nearly had heart attacks on the way down <laughs> uh, with the traffic and being unfit and not used to being in a tandem but we really enjoyed it it was great fun so it started there with Tommy you know and then Tommy he enjoyed doing it as well too so we kind of got in going out every few days getting um, more regular at it and then he said sure why don't you go back with the triathlon club and we'll do the Sunday spins and I said oh my god you know, because those spins, they'll be up in 50, 60k. And I said, how are we going to manage that? He said, we'll keep training. He said, we'll get into it and we'll start doing it with them. Um, so, yeah, so that was how we started off to back into the Tratland Club again. And we we started doing the Sunday spins and loved it. You know, it was getting fitter, getting stronger on the bike. And um, we were getting so good on it that we were faster than the others. And they hated seeing us coming <laughs> because <laughs> they knew they were in for a tough, fast spin. Um, but yeah, and it got, again, the banter was very good, you know, talking to the guys. And they're all so interested on the tandem and me and how it worked and everything. And um, different guys, then we were talking back and over. And then one of the guys, sure, Leo, sure, you'd be well able for a triathlon now. 
And I said, yeah, of course, no problem. Why wouldn't I know about it? And if you say that to a Tri Lakes member, it's kind of a commitment really, exactly, isn't it? Exactly. It was mistake number one. Yeah, showed an interest. Never showed an interest. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I said, yeah, sure. How are we going to do that? And uh, Stephen Corrigan is the chairman of the club. He said, sure, I'll do it with you, Leo. I'll do it with you. So... I hadn't a clue how a visually impaired athlete is going to do a triathlon. He hadn't a clue. So we went on uh, uh, Google and started looking up YouTube videos and see how this is possible. Um, so yeah, so that's how myself and Stephen got into it. And I said that was um, that was 2018 in Westport. That was our first triathlon. We did it together. Um, so how does it work? For those who are listening who mightn't know how a visually impaired athlete swims, cycles and runs yeah. to the finish line. Yeah, uh, how it works is for the swim section, we're tethered together. We have a cord, for the, oh, for the want of a better word, is a bungee cord and we're tied together um, either from waist to waist or leg to leg or knee to knee or ankle to ankle. Different athletes have different preferences. But myself and Stephen were kind of waist to waist. So it's like a bungee cord. So um, Stephen be swimming on my left because when I swim I breathe to my left so I could see I could see him beside me and if if um, Stephen has to uh, obviously see where we're going and he's he's the guide so if he wants to go left I feel the cord stretch and I know I need to go over that way so it's all really on sensation it's on yeah. sensation yeah yeah and if we need to go to the right I get an elbow or I get hit in the face <laughs> or a push that's what happens yeah yeah that's it yeah. so you get just you, like a normal triathlon like swim a, then exactly like a, a normal triathlon yeah 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 so you do you, you get to know your guides very well and you become very close um, I presume you have to trust them really with your life almost when abs- you're you flying do. along on the bike uh, abs- and even in the water yeah you do, you, re- you really do absolutely because in, in the water you're following them so they lead you around um, when you get come off out of, when you come to transition then you take off the tether you take off your wetsuit and all that and then you uh, obviously onto the tandem whereas the guide is in front and I'm in back so when we're running out I just hold onto the, 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 the saddle at the back and they run with the bike so I'm just kind of being guided along by the bike and then we just get on and when we start off then you have to get your pedals right together and you know it's three two one go so we push off together and then when you're on the back of the bike in a triathlon you know you're going flat out as fast as you can so I'm there and I'm just on the back pedaling like a lunatic and holding on to the handlebars and I can't see what's going on and they're in charge I said the steering the gears the brakes now they have to give me um cues I'll say when we're coming to a hill because I know we're coming to a hill or if we're coming to a left bend they have to lean to the left if we're going to the right I have to lean to the right and they'll tell me if we're passing people or they'll shout usually shout and roar me to push 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 actually Ashing's the best one for that telling me to push 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 or shouting and roaring at me um, poor Ashing's getting an awful she's very good she, I couldn't do any of this without her I know definitely um, so again we get to transition and again we we rack the bike and then is actually the run part so I the, the guys kind of put me to where my runners are and th- things like that so I just put the runners on and the glasses and then we have a tether again for the run you could be tethered again at the waist if you want like a race belt and again it's about a I think it's a half a meter in distance it's allowed to be or else you can have you can hold um, a tether from hand from your hand to their hand but it's about a, a, a half a metre distance as well too and again 
on the run, they're guiding you as well too. So you can see it's mostly steps and potholes that I'd have a problem with. And they are telling you, they're talking to you the whole time. They're telling you, you know, there's a step down, there's a step up, there's a left turn here, a right turn. And again, they're guiding you, they're pulling you and they'll pull you left or they'll push you to go right. Um, so there, so you basically, you have to learn to trust them 1000% because... What's the scariest bit of doing that? I'm listening to you here and I'm like, I actually would be so scared <laughs> to close my eyes yeah. and have somebody guide me down a straight road with no potholes or paths. Yeah, it, it does. It takes a bit of practice and it takes it takes a lot of trust between you and the guide. On the bike, you just, you're like, we reach speeds Um I think it was with Nick there. Don't too. don't listen now, Ashling. Just when you hear the speech. Yeah, I think uh, we're this. I think we were doing this uh, there two weeks ago. We did a club TT and we we're coming down a hill and we were hit seventy kilometers an hour coming down a hill. So when you're doing that speed, if something goes wrong, um, it does not. The result won't be good. You, you know? ever get scared at the start? Yeah, but then I'm kind of an chilled out kind of guy and I relax I don't panic too much but at the start it was very unnerving because you have to get everything right and going at those speeds of the bike it can be scary and things do happen then and like I don't know if I could say it but one of my guys there the other day he were going around the bend and all I heard was Jesus Christ <laughs> and I just I won't got, say which guide it was yeah I won't say which guide it was he'll know himself when he hears it and uh so we got around the bend and we just bowed and I said, are we, are we all right? Are we all right? And he says, yeah, we're grand. Keep going, keep going, keep going. <laughs> oh, wow. So it's not until the end of the race he told me we just got around the corner just about. Um, but you have a number of guys, which I think is quite interesting because you, you've mentioned Stephen Corrigan and Tommy Carton. Mm. You've had Dave Tilly. You're working with Stephen Teeling Lynch and then you also had Mary Corliss last week. Yeah. So how does somebody who's listening who maybe wants to become a guide to somebody who's um, visually impaired, how do they go about it? Um, well in the club it started off with Tommy and me going out with the guys and then they kind of saw well geez, you know what's that like and I said come on give it a go whatever because people are afraid mm. because it's a responsibility on their part you know mm. they're taking as you said they're taking your life in their hands you know and they're all nervous about it and I said look we just give it a go if we fall we fall that's what happens and they got into then and when they get on the tender then and they get going on it they realise okay it's not as hard as I thought and then they actually get to enjoy it because it's the speed of it as well too it's addictive because you're going so fast as well too and you know you're then said my god this is crazy this is, this is brilliant and they get to like it like that um so that's how they just see and they just ask me, you know, I don't want to go asking people, but if they volunteer and I'm only only two to like, the more people I have gone out, the better it is for me, because I said I have time to go out all the time. But with people, other people, they're busy and they have their own lives and I don't want to be pestering them to go, you know, asking them the whole time. But the, the club, the tri guys are actually fantastic. They're all volunteering and they're only two delights to go out, you know. Isn't it brilliant, though, that you're getting that level of support from the club? Because some of those athletes that we've mentioned are exceptional in their own right as yeah. triathletes as well, that they're giving up their time to see you and to help you yeah, succeed. Yeah, abso- they're absolutely fantastic. And I've been lost without them. The support that I've got from them is, is fantastic. They're only two delights to help me in any way they can. Um, even there, I did Westport Mary Carlos last week and I think that was only your second time out doing a triathlon together. We did, I did the Joey Hannon with Mary as well mm. too. Never did swim together. Never. I think we were out for 10 minutes the Friday before the, the, the um, triathlon and Joey Hannon. Um, but yeah, they're fantastic and the, the, they're willing to give their time and they're willing to kind of 
take you on board and mind you as well too you know because there's a whole race thing as well too but then there's the whole build up to the race and after the race and they have to be there to kind of walk you around because it's all different areas and there's obstacles and things so they have to be there as well too to guide you around actually when the race is over as well too and they've absolutely been fantastic doing that you know It's funny how you say the word mind you so easily having been so independent Mm. before you had this um, the, the, the disease kind of took effect really and how casually you say it but I can imagine years ago the thought of you saying that somebody else is minding you would have been quite difficult yeah because I was always independent always did my own thing always I'd always wouldn't ask for help I'd do something myself first and see if I could tr- could get it done myself mm-hmm. and then if I couldn't then I would ask for help but because of this it changed my mindset completely that it's not an issue now to ask for help from people and I can do that easier now asking for help and it's people are only only too delighted to help you know people if you ask people for help 99% of them will help you no problem and I've found that as well too it's just the kind of the generosity in people and how good hearted and kind hearted they are that if you ask them there's absolutely no problem no issue whatsoever and they help you out Well I think as well Leo that they're quite inspired by what you're what you're doing and what you've done and how you've overcome an illness that could have seen you sit as a couch potato and just let everything slip away from you including your eyesight but you're out there you're racing you're training you're you know making the most of a situation that for other people would have been the end of their world as they know it but you've changed your world I have, yeah. No, at the start, I was kind of, as you said, a couch potato and I put on weight and everything and I was, oh, you know, where where am I going to go? But, you know, you have to, everybody, everybody has their crosses to bear and to bear and we don't know what goes on behind closed doors and what people have what illness they have and what they don't have you know but you have to there's always someone kind of worse off than you you know I, I, I don't know how it'd be if, if one of my kids were sick or something like that you know but I, I have this now I just said to myself, I have to deal with this, you know, make the best out of it I can. And you can do, you can, uh, I said, I have to get up and do something. And I did. And people will help you no matter what you want to do. If you ask people for help, they will help you along your journey to get out. Mm-hmm. And it has been a fantastic journey you know, in the space of a year and a half where I've come from sitting on the couch, not going out to meet people like that and everything. Now I'm going out and people are coming up congratulating me and well done and talking to me and everything this and I'm I'm gone the whole time you know I was so you were like like a celebrity walking in here to Galway Bay FM the <laughs> presenters all knew who you were um, yeah, you know yeah. and, and another group that have been very supportive as well and probably led to you representing uh, not only your club but your country is the Trathan Ireland Para High Performance Development Squad so you're a member of that squad um, how has the inclusion in the squad helped to develop you as an athlete? Um, absolutely yeah I've I joined um the Paris squad there I think in 2018 it was um, just my times were getting better uh, through the, I think I did like seven triathlons in 2018 local ones and my times were getting better and I was got involved then with the para uh, high performance team and through Eamon Tilly who's the HP high performance director for the para group and Eamon's been very inst- instrumental in trying to develop the team um, he every month once a month we meet for training days in Dublin so we go up to Dublin every month we meet up there as a group now there's, a, there's lots of there's vis- the people with visually impairments there's people with wheelchairs there's people that have um, um, prosthesis legs and arms and they're an amazing bunch they really are they're fantastic like what they have done to get with their disability they don't see it as a disability they just see it as their ability to do something and how they're going to do it now the Triton Ireland have been very good at that they've, they've um 
they've really progressed in the last while now. They've nutritionists on board, they've running coaches, they've strength and conditioning, strength and conditioning coaches, and they've medical team as well too. They've doctors, you know, they do all your tests, your DEXAS tests, your fitness tests, and they so that team is there in the background and they do fantastic work there and Eamon does and when you go up then for once a month then you're kind of just it's to kind of just to meet as well too to meet meet everyone and discuss what you're going to do as well as just seeing how your training is going as well too um, part of all that and I've been on that um, performance team is you have to basically become a professional athlete you know you have to um, that's such a terrible thing really isn't it it is <laughs> it's, you know you're a professional athlete now I said no I'm not you are you are <laughs> uh, there's people listening to the show here that only would dream of having a pro license and being able to go and race professionally yeah I know yeah it, it is brilliant doing something that you love doing you know it is um but it is it is hard work as well it's a job it, it is, is a job it, it is it a job is a it job. is a job um so you have to keep a training diary you have to uh, write down what your training is, how you felt. You have to take your heart rate every morning, your resting heart rate. You have to watch your diet. You have to record your food, what you eat, um, filling out everything. Again, you have to work out your calorie restriction. You know, you have to try and lose weight if you can, but then eat enough to keep your performance. Get the balance right exactly, for yeah. both. Yeah, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah, so you have to keep track of everything. Your sleep, your sleep is very important. People don't realise it that you need to get your eight and ten hours if you're lucky. Sleep if you can. With the three small kids, I'm not sure ten hours of sleep is possible. Is it? Um, they're not too small now. No, though, they're too small. No, not too small. They're getting, but they they they've come to know the routine as well too and everything. Else, so uh, they're very good. Um, yeah, so that's all part of it. It's 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 it it is. You know, you're eating, uh, you're sleeping, and you're training. You know, but it is. It is, I love the training. If I didn't love it, I wouldn't be doing it. But it, it you get a great buzz of, it and you feel brilliant. I mean, physical activity and exercise is is gets your body feeling better, but also gets your mind as well too. It clears your mind. There's nothing like you know going out, putting in a good effort, and you feel great. And once you have a bit to eat, a shower and a bit to eat, and you feel great, you get a real buzz off it. You know, it sets you up for the day, no matter what you're doing. I think that's a hugely uh, important, no matter what level of, of sport you're at. I think if people can move their body, they actually help their minds as well. And it's it's hugely important that we you know get involved in a sport that we really enjoy. And it's just lucky that triathlon is something that we yeah yeah definitely you know, both and landed on for anybody. It doesn't have to be trying any sport at all once you're getting up being active if you like when I started I remember my first day going up to the power training in Dublin um, I met Eamon Tilly and I was talking to him and he said right we're going to see what you can do he said I think it was um, three 1k efforts I think at the start and I did the first two laps and he turns to Ashling and he says tell him he doesn't have to do anymore <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah because I was, wasn't able to walk <laughs> I was so kind of overweight and unfit and everything and uh, he said he doesn't have to do anymore but I got better and again I trained and I've, I think I said I've lost maybe about 13k so that's nearly two stone in weight and as well as being healthy like that it, it does get your mind focused and and positive I think and positive exactly yeah so I don't, I don't think now of what I can't do I just think you know I can do anything I put my mind to, but I just have to figure a way how to do it, you know? Um, there's always a workaround, you know? I thought, like, as you said there at the start, you know, did you ever think you'd be out running and cycling and swimming? 
um, when you're first diagnosed, said, not a notion, no, but I never knew those tandem bikes you could do that or being tethered together, people to guide you around. So no matter what what ailment or what disability or what you have in life, there's always a way around to do something. Definitely. You just need to, the, the hardest thing is to ask people, ask for help. But once you get that, it just snowballs from there. And I said the last year and a half here has been a kind of roller coaster ride up and down. It's been amazing, you know. It, it, your your passion and your interest in the sport is actually infectious. I'm sitting here <laughs> thinking, jeepers, I really better get out on my bike today and do something because I feel quite lazy. Um, but just it, it's actually infectious and your passion is very, very clear for the sport, which has led you to um, racing uh, with some fantastic results, both at home and abroad. All that training, all that consistency and determination um, you raced at the ITU Multisport World Championships in Spain earlier this year third in the duathlon world champion in Aquathon that's right yeah I did um, <clears throat> that was fantastic it was um, I have to mention Dave Tilly here is actually Eamon's brother he was my guide he's my guide internationally he guided for me in Madeira in 2018 that was my first international triathlon world Ireland and he guided me that day so we went over there for the weekend and did that race Ashling was there as well too she kind of came with me to chaperone to make sure they were able to look after me and mind me um, but yeah um, Dave was my guide so we were two weeks we spent two weeks in um, Pontevedra in northern Spain for the ITU multi-sport championships and again I have to say to Dave here a huge thanks to that because he had to take two weeks off from his life and his family and his commitments and to be out there with me and take care of me um, so we're out there with a few other para athletes as well too from Team Ireland. Um, How does it make you feel seeing you're part of Team Ireland? Yeah, it just it's, it's kind of when cool, I said it, it there. Yeah, it does. It kind of wow, geez, yeah, that sounds cool. Um, yeah, <laughs> just thinking about it there. Um, yeah, so being part of Team Ireland, it's 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 fantastic, and the guys are absolutely brilliant. They're brilliant. So we were over there for as I said for two weeks. So I just went over just to just again get race experience. Now it's duathlon. And it's not a triathlon because it's a bit earlier on the year, so the water's a bit cold. So the duathlon was on the 28th of April. So um, did that race and came third in that, came bronze medal in that, so I was delighted with that. And I think four days later then was the Aquathon, which is a 1K uh, swim and a 5K run after that. Then I was a little too. So took part in that and... Surprised myself and Dave. I know we've actually won it. We got the gold medal, so on the world champion. For I saw you crossing the finish line. I saw the VT. Yeah, it didn't look pretty, did it? Yeah, it looked like you absolutely raced your heart out and crossed the finish line with nothing left. Yeah, I did. Uh, that's that's me. I'm stubborn and determined, and I get to the finish line no matter what. And I really pushed it that day. Um, really gave it a huge effort in the swim, myself and Dave. And uh, we actually passed out the Team GB, the British guys, and uh, we got into transition first. And we were shocked because all their gear was, because they were right beside us and all their gear was still there. And we said, they're still in the water. Dave said, they're still in the water. I said, what? He said, they're still in the water. I said, come on, quick, put your shoes on, we're going, we're going. <laughs> so I said, all right, so we really pushed it then because we knew we were ahead. So we really pushed it and give it everything for and a, a 4.5k maybe 4 points I was fine the last coming to la the line the legs just went and I don't know if anyone ever has that sensation where your legs don't do what you tell them to do they're just wobbling all over the place so Dave was he said don't fall now don't fall now <laughs> so the last 10 metres he was counted down 10, 9 he said you're near there now so we just 
literally fell broke over the, the line. Broke the tape and fell over. Broke the tape and fell over the line. Yeah, but you were yeah. a world champion crossing the line. Yeah, was a world champion. Yeah, I was. It was delighted, you know. I was really delighted. But I really wanted to do it for Dave as well too because he's been so good to me and he's a world champion as well too and as well too, which is very important. Um, delighted. Um, what was, was it like standing on the podium? It was surreal, you know, um, because the Pontevedra Festival, there's um, it goes over a week, maybe a week and a half, and there's like 4,000 athletes there. So it's all athletes. The whole place was athletes. And the atmosphere there was fantastic. And those other Irish athletes there, age groupers as well too. So even across the line, you could hear them cheering and stuff and everything. And it was brilliant. And then to um, get up on the podium you know, as world champion and you call your name out, you know, in first place, gold medalist, world champion, Leo Hines. And I was going, Jesus, oh, that's me, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, I was seven David up and the crowds were fantastic and the Irish, you know, they're all the ole, 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 I was going in the background. It was brilliant, it was brilliant. You know, the Irish fans are fabulous no matter what they're doing, you know. So you're targeting Tokyo 2020 as your next big goal. Yeah. Um, what's the qualification process to make it to the start line? Because I believe it's a lot of international and races you have to, to complete to, to get there. Yeah, the, the qualification year starts from June this year to June next year. And basically you have to compete in international races and they pick your best three races uh, out of the races you've done throughout the year and uh, now it's it's a difficult process to get into the races and it's difficult to qualify but I'm going to give it a shot I'm going to try my best um, there's only maybe maybe 10 or 12 positions available in um, Tokyo 2020 so they go, it'll go on your three best results and to get into the races it goes according to your rankings uh, your world rankings so the higher up your rankings are the more chance you have to get into the race and when you get into the race then the more chance you have to get the points so it's kind of a catch 22 the more points you have the higher up the rankings so it's it's difficult but you know doable well I'm going to give it as hard a shot as I can you know I'm going to try my best um, doable yeah why not why not you know I thought a year and a half ago I wouldn't be cycling swimming and running and I am so you know nothing's impossible put your mind down to it and hard work you can achieve anything Ashling and the kids must be so incredibly proud of all you've achieved and where you've come from they are absolutely brilliant yeah Ashling has been fantastic without her support and all this you know she takes care of all the family life you know uh, she looks after the kids looks after me looks after the house looks after everything um, the kids are brilliant <coughs> they um they love what I'm doing they come to a lot of the events you know we were doing a time trial there uh, last night around Chiam as well too and they were there in force as well too and just to hear you know come on daddy you can do it and shouting there it's it's, it's a brilliant feeling and it's great for them as well too to see me being active as well too you know and it's great for them so hopefully they'll follow in the footsteps and be out being active as well too and doing everything you know it's great Are any of the three of them doing any little bit of triathlon with the juniors down in Trilake? Not yet no no the bit in the young side yet now but Lauren, they're they're all playing camogie, football. They're all doing other sports, but I think now maybe next year, if I get my way, they'll <laughs> they'll um they'll start doing triathlon because in the future, you know, I need new pilots for cycling. For well, that's it, you know? and they'll exactly. have youth on their side as well. Exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. So, what do you do for downtime yourself? Um, there's very little downtime, but what I try to do is um, you listen to podcasts, don't you? I do listen to podcasts, especially <laughs> this one now as well too. Yeah, and I was listening to Caroline there earlier on during the week as well too, in the podcast. Uh, yeah, again, it's try to do as much as I can with the family and do bits around the house. But um, even this year now, strange as it may sound, I decided to take up the banjo, something I wanted to do for years, and 
I took it up there maybe just under a year ago as well too and started getting lessons and uh, so I can play a few tunes right now and I'm getting to, to like it. Uh, practice isn't going too well because I'm too busy running, swimming and cycling. <laughs> so I put it in the case away for the while, but maybe now in the winter and the off season, I'll pick it up again and give it a go. Very good. And what, what are you most proud of, uh, Leo, of your achievement in, in the past 10 years since you were diagnosed? Um, what am I most proud of? Um, I think one of the things is obviously representing your country. You know, wearing the green, white and gold of Ireland, um, wearing the tri-suit with your name on it, um, that was a proud moment, you know, my first international race as at Madeira was very, very proud. But I think just turning my life around is probably the main thing, you know. It might seem kind of a bit weird, but it it, it is just going from where I was um, to where I am now. And it, it's it's just that in your own mind, no matter, you can put your mind to something and you can achieve it, you can, you can do it, you know. It's just a matter of saying, right, I'm going to do this. And it just starts off with small steps, you know. As I said, this like world champion now in aquathon swimming and cycling running, I started off doing aerobics. You know, it's just you just have to start somewhere and take small steps, and you'll get there eventually. And I, I think that's what I'm proud of. And, and and for my own benefit, what I've done myself, but I'm proud for my family as well too. And you know, and the whole triathlon community, it's really family based, and they're really supportive. No matter what you ask them to do, they're always there. And it's you know going to triathlons a brilliant feeling because there's, I know it's a race but everyone is just racing themselves and they're just out to do their own thing they're out there to cross the finish line you know most people are at the start and said please let me finish the swim please let me get the swim, finish the swim please you know? let me not get a puncture on the bike exactly yeah. please let me cross the line please let me cross the line you know um, and everyone is there and, and when they see me as a visually impaired athlete and someone there guide me the the, the, um, the shouts and the encouragement you get is, is fantastic you know so I'm just proud of what I've achieved and in the triathlon community as well to how, how people have accepted and supported me I suppose something like that Yeah, I, I think a lot of people listening to the show um, today will be very inspired by your story but I'd like to hear who inspires you in sport who inspires me in sport that's a good question um, you could, I could mention loads of names you know from different sports different things but I, I think the other para athletes really really inspire me um, to meet them up at the training sessions you know they're they're fantastic you know there's there's people coming in there in, in, the, in wheelchairs or they're coming in with a prosthetic arm or prosthetic leg or whatever they are just fantastic you know what they've how they've done things as well too you know matter they've come over their adversities as well too and it's just it's them I think you know, that's really kind of inspire me because I think they're fantastic. You know, they say, oh, you know, you can't see too much, you know, you have a fair place with them. But I said, sure, look at you in a wheelchair and you're doing them as well too. I said, you're fantastic, you know, and look at Tojo there, you've only one arm and he's flying it and he's fantastic. You know, I, I think, yeah, I think they do. They're just, they're just ordinary people doing extraordinary things, you know. Well, on that very positive note, I think we will finish up the interview. Thank you so much to the hugely inspiring and determined Leo Hines for joining me here on the show today. Huge thanks as always to Galway Bay FM for the use of their studio to record the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For more information and to subscribe for free, go to www.trytalkingsport.com. 